Hello and welcome to the IMD Management Cast. I'm your host, John Joe Devlin, and in this series, I'm speaking with the brightest minds of the business world about the attitudes, ideas, and strategies that underpin successful companies. So far, we've covered what customer centricity is, how to develop a customer centric approach, and how to keep it. In this fourth and final episode on customer centricity, I'm joined again by Sean Meehan, the Martin Hilty Professor of Marketing and Management and Dean of Faculty at IMD. Today, we'll be looking ahead to whether or not this concept will become more or less important in a post-pandemic and increasingly digitized world. And I will start with a very straightforward question, Sean. Will customer centricity become more or less important over the next few years? I don't think it will become any more important than it has been forever. I think it is always incredibly important. And I think it will be incredibly important. Now, that doesn't mean it will be more popular. If you mean, will it be more widespread and and adopted? It could be, and I hope it will be. Certainly, a lot of the disruption models that we see are certainly based on customer experience insights. Uber, Grab, and that category of, of taxi service, if you like, are built on making it a better customer experience. The same thing for Uber Eats or Deliveroo and Delivery Hero. Airbnb. These are all built on insights that are just new ways to disrupt, you know, digitally enabled ways to disrupt. We've always had disruptors, and it's just great to see these new players come in with models that are less expensive to innovate with, of course, very expensive to scale up and so on. That's why we see them going public rather fast and and maybe too fast in some cases. But yeah, I think we will see a greater prevalence of disruption to industries that really need it. And I think from a consumer point of view, these are incredibly welcome disruptions. I can't tell you that it's going to be therefore more important. I think its importance in terms of driving business success is constant. I think it could be that it's more accessible to newcomers with fresh ideas who are just fed up with how some industries work. And I mean, and not all, you know, a lot of these disruptors aren't customer centric, but, but you know, they, they have a story of customer centricity. We need to see over the longer term, as I've been saying throughout, do they really believe this? Or is this their route to short term personal aggrandizement and, and financial success? Only time will tell. But their breakthrough stories tend to be based on customer insights, removal of specific pain points of particular discomfort to large groups of consumers. And long may that continue. That disruption is a good thing. By the way, it doesn't matter that all disruptors succeed. I think disruptors leave their mark. Okay, so can you give any particular examples of when this has happened? I'll give you one example, not from the tech industry. Daewoo, Korean car company, entered the UK market years ago with a car physically, which really is not a competitive car. It was in fact a rebadged Opel two generations old. So it couldn't compete on the basis of the car. And it reinvented the customer service experience and did so hugely successfully selling nearly 20,000 cars in the first 18 months. One of the things that they did was they said, we don't understand why all car companies are charging, let's say 50 pounds or 100 pounds for quote-unquote delivery. Delivery still required the car buyer to go to the car showroom to receive the key, 
to sit in the car, ignite and drive away. So where was the delivery in that? And what it was was, oh, preparation for delivery, which I'm not really sure why they would expect it not to be prepared for use. So they had their own story, but I mean, clearly it was trivial. It was, it was simply a way to generate an additional 50 or 100 pounds margin directly to the bottom line to the dealer. And Daewoo said, this is nonsense. Nobody pays for that when they buy a car from us. Think about it like this. That's now in the industry. They sell 20,000 cars at 100 pounds each. That costs them whatever that is. If you're selling 400,000 cars a year and the industry has basically said that's an outdated unfair practice, and that's accepted by the consumer, you now have to get rid of that 100, 400,000 times, not 20,000 times. So although Daewoo might not compete with Ford for the sale of one car, Daewoo has just taken 400,000 times 100 out of Ford's value creation chain, and that's hugely disruptive. So my prediction is these disruptors will come into industries like financial services, they will disrupt, they won't necessarily be successful, but they will leave their mark that will change industry practices for the good. And it leaves me with the impression that consumer experiences in most sectors are improving year after year. Over time, consumer experiences are enhanced, and that is a great thing. So. I'm enthusiastic for the future of customer centricity. Okay, so you're bullish. Uh, we've spoken a lot already about companies that have done great things to make the buying experience easier for customers in, let's say, physical shops or on online e-commerce platforms. But increasingly, some will feel that activism and activism on behalf of brands and brands taking a stand on certain issues is becoming a part of the decision-making process for customers. So, Sean, what do you believe the future is for brand activism as a trend, whether or not this is something that is going to be increasingly part of the customer centricity journey, or if it's something that is actually more incidental than people really think, and that customers really just want to have an easy and quick buying experience? Wow, really important question. Let's think about what strong brands are. They have awareness, relevance, and trust. All strong brands over time have awareness, relevance, and trust. One of the key elements here is relevance. This is the thing that changes all the time. Trust is, you know, the effort that we put into delivering the value proposition that we have promised and making sure we've understood how that has been perceived and so on and so on. But relevance changes. And we see this in the car industry, how cars change and how the types of family cars change, for example, because the nature of the family experience with little kids is, has absolutely changed as well. So if we think about it from the point of view of Customer centricity is being relevant to customers. Not, hey, activism has come along and therefore you know, brands need to be activists. No, brands need to be customer centric and customer centric brands will be sensitive to all of the needs and wants of their customers. And if what customers are saying is, we don't want plastic in our tissue box, for example, then Kleenex will change the tissue box as they have done. Not because Kleenex is an activist brand, but Kleenex is responding to concern about superfluous use of plastic in consumer products. So I think that's the keyhole through which we should think about this. What's in the consumer and customer's interest? There are companies that clearly are activists in their nature, and they have taken it upon themselves to, to be the voice of the consumer, to create pressures, to create visibility for various activities. Unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of greenwashing, for example. We're seeing a lot of faux brand activism. But there are 
tremendous companies. And you can take Body Shop, Patagonia, Athletica, Uncommon Goods. These are B Corps. And, you know, becoming a certified B Corp is no joke. And it's a serious process, probably less arduous than going public, but it's a kind of a similar process. You have a lot of outside people looking at you, combing over how do you do business and what's your supply chain like and so on. Surely there will be kids who are much less concerned about why we need to care about where the t-shirts we're wearing are made. And there'll be kids who are very concerned about that. And that tends to go, unfortunately, with GDP and family income. This is a genuine challenge. So that segment is, is there and these segments will continue to exist. And the proof of the pudding for an activist brand or a brand that's pretending to have concerns about, or well, is saying it has concerns about issues, will they serve those segments? Because they are real customers with real needs. Will they serve those segments or will they walk away from them? And you know, walking away from them is a moment of truth, a moment of belief. You can look at Neste, in Norway, which was a big oil refinery, and now it is one of the most significant and advanced refinery of biofuels. And it has made a lot of progress on this. To walk away from that business that it had at a time when that was a booming business and a very lucrative business is a significant moment of belief. So I'm sure we will see more activism claims. What I'm really interested in is, is it real? And so show me that you're committed demonstrate that. And when you see the likes of Patagonia and the frequent forays it makes and demonstrations of its belief that it makes, then you know that they're for real, or at least we're certainly of that impression and willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. We don't see the insides of the runnings of these companies, but we have to take a position as consumers. And, and it is clear that for a lot of consumers, that will appeal. And I think we all can read the tea leaves. We are better informed. There is greater transparency. There's instant journalism. We have more information now than we have before. And, and if we are intelligent and process it the right way, surely we can come to points of view about brands that are a little bit better informed than we used to in the past. Sean, if we go back to one of the things you've been saying about the approach of outside in and inside out, understanding the pain points of your customers, not just from a perspective of how can we make more money, but how can we make their lives better? Can this approach go too far? I mean, do you see it having pitfalls as well? Maybe. I think before we do that, we have a long way to go. Just as a general observation, in many respects, we've gone backwards during COVID. We're just damn glad to get what we need and we'll take it in any form it can come. And for those of us who've started to go back to short business travel trips, then I can tell you that hotel experiences in some countries are horrendous. Those brands are absolutely not living up to their brand promise. And their position is, you know, this is the best we can do under the circumstances we've got. Well, fine, but think about the value proposition that you have offered. You didn't signal this. I'll give you one simple example. When you're trying to check into a hotel, you should not have to wait for 20 minutes before you can see a, an agent. And when you get there, that agent shouldn't have to go off and do some work on the concierge counter before they can actually check you in. You know, you should have the right number of staff. That is a staffing decision that's made on the front line, but that's made against the budget. I don't blame the frontline people at all. The management needs to right-size so that it can deliver the value proposition that it promised to the genuine constraints that it operates within, not dismissing these constraints. So my point is, we've gone backwards on the customer experience in a lot of industries, and they need to recover first. To your question then, can it go too far? Yeah, of course it can. 
I always say what customers want is more and more and more until they get everything for less and less and less until it is nothing. That's the perfect customer situation. I get everything for nothing. Well, that doesn't work. What I said at the outset was that as companies, we've got to prioritize and create customer value in new and better ways within the constraints agreed with society, shareholders, and employees. There are constraints. There are guardrails around this. You know, when the very best entrepreneurs in the world go to the markets for finance to try to scale up an idea, they have to work within constraints. Now, if they accept constraints that are unreasonable and then restrict their ability to create customer value, they won't do it. So it is about getting the right balance on this. Yes, you can push it too far. And when you do, you will either lose your customer franchise or you will lose your funding and therefore you will lose your customer franchise. You can't disregard the needs of stakeholders. I've never said that stakeholders are not important. They're critically important. But you don't maximize around. You create value first, then you share. Okay, but regardless of who you're trying to please, who you're focusing on, you're still going to make those decisions based on some kind of information. So, I mean, to drill down into the process a little bit more, what are you going to be basing that on? Will it just be data as it's always kind of been? I think that for sure we're going to have more data and I think we will have more and more intelligent conversations around the data that we have had. Let us not forget that we come from a tradition of misusing data. So now I think we get into an era where I think we'll have better data about more relevant things i.e. the observation of behavior. That's the real breakthrough. It's not the amount of data that impresses me. It's the nature of the data that impresses me. Now we don't have to rely on asking in very incorrect and imprecise questions, difficult questions to answer of consumers that don't know the answer really. And if they did, probably wouldn't tell us the truth. And, and that's you know only the small number that are willing to talk to us in the first place. Market research is just a tremendously difficult area. Now we can look at actual behaviors. We're going to, this is a breakthrough moment for customer centricity in many, many ways because we will have that to go with. I think the challenge for the culture will simply be you know, will we make the right decisions and what will the outcomes be? Because the culture will be guided by the outcomes, actually. So, you know, was this good business? We did all of these things. How did we get here? We did this, then we did that, then we did the other. And they are moments of belief, whether they are positive or negative. And we would hope that if we can demonstrate that these decisions were made in the interest of customers, then they will fly and I think more people will understand them because of how communication flows and the transparency of that and the immediacy of it. So I think that's the upside. The downside is that people aren't by our side learning from us in the master-apprentice model that we've had before. There's upsides and downsides to that. But the proximity of people doesn't bother me at all in terms of how this is going to play out in the digital age. We've got new ways of working. We're all going to have to adapt. It's a good thing. It will liberate our economies. It will bring up GDP standards in places that haven't had that uh, opportunity before. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful moment to be a fan of business and of customer centricity. Okay, Sean, thank you so much. I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there, but I do hope that listeners have got a sense of customer centricity, what it is and where it's going. I'd like to thank you, Sean, for joining us. And for all the listeners out there, if you are interested in learning a bit more about customer centricity, Sean Meehan, 
the Martin Hilton Professor of Marketing and Management at IMD, has written a variety of books on this subject. You can check those out through the link in the show notes. Tune in again next week when I'll be talking AI with IMD Professor Amit Joshi. If you can't wait that long for more insights, you can head to iBuyIMD online, which offers exclusive business intelligence and interviews with the brightest minds in the industry, written by experts for experts. 